What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I am Carlos Clazo, joined today by Kyle Glazer. We're going to be talking some USA baseball, Team USA in action. Uh, it has not been the greatest for them so far, but Kyle's here to kind of break everything down, tell us about the expectations, the performance, what we can expect going forward. Uh, we're coming off of uh, the first attempt for Team USA to qualify for the 2020 Olympics. They did not. Kyle, how's it going? What's the state of USA baseball? It hasn't been the greatest year for them overall, just at a number of different levels, uh, but there's still a chance for them to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, so Premier 12 was the first opportunity for Team USA to secure an Olympic berth. Uh, they fell short. They lost in the bronze medal game to Mexico, 3-2 to two in 10 innings. They were three outs away from winning that game, and they would have clinched an Olympic berth with a win in that game as the highest finisher from the Americas at Premier 12. That did not happen. Uh, overall, Team USA finished 4-4 four and four and in fourth place at Premier 12. Japan took gold, South Korea took silver, Mexico took bronze. Now, on the one hand, it's disappointing. Team USA, obviously, you expect them to qualify for the Olympics, but they get another shot. There will be an America's qualifier in March 2020, as you said. So it's not like this was a one-and-done situation like in 2004 where they failed to qualify with a loss to Mexico, funny enough, Mm -hmm. and that was it for them. They get another shot, but at the same time, this was a bit of a disappointment. It was going to be difficult for Team USA to beat Japan or South Korea in this tournament just because those two teams were using players from the top leagues uh, in their respective nations where Team USA was limited to non-40-man roster players. Uh, But they did beat Japan head-to-head. They were the only team to beat Japan in the tournament. They just had a lot of other disappointing losses. The offense didn't really show up. Uh, That was expected to be a strength of the team. Uh, They scored 19 runs uh, in two blowouts in the opening round against the Netherlands and the Dominican Republic. But against teams who actually advanced beyond the first round, they scored 13 runs in six games. Uh, It was just not a great showing overall. They didn't win back-to-back games at any point in the tournament. They alternated wins and losses. So uh, they weren't bad. Again, they got to the bronze medal game, but they had to have some help to get there. Uh, but it was not the showing a lot of people hoped for. And, and as a result, they failed to qualify for the 2020 Olympics at the mm-hmm. tournament. Yeah, and, and I was just noticing a number of players, they just left a lot of players on base. Was it a matter of just the bats were quiet or not being able to convert in those key situations when you have runners on? Do you think their offense is maybe just one step away and didn't quite get the entire way there? Or do you think there are a lot of issues that need to be fixed moving forward? Well, some of it is just you play the games, and that's what happens sometimes. But I was out in Arizona for Team USA's training camp, the number of scouts, and one of the things we talked about, and I wrote about the first part of this, was Team USA could really, really mash. They had a lot of really, really big power hitters. But as we were watching the scrimmages against junior colleges and colleges, there was a bit of a disconcerting amount of swing and miss, considering they were facing, again, junior college and college players. Uh, There's a lot of players on this team who have big power, but the trade-off is a lot of swings and misses. And we saw in this tournament, there were some very, very key situations where, you know, bases loaded one out, all they had to do was get a ball in the air, 
Instead, you had two strikeouts that came away empty. Uh, we saw that uh, really a couple different games, uh, including in the bronze medal game against Mexico. They had some opportunities with runners on base and less than two outs and a strikeout at the wrong time really kind of set them back. So there were some swing and miss issues on this team. Drew Waters, Bobby Dahlbeck, Alec Bohm. And then on top of that, there were other cases where they just didn't come through in key situations. And, and so much with baseball, you know, we talk about raw talent and tools and all that, but it's such a situational game. You got to be able to come through it at certain spots of the game. And Team USA on the whole, there's a lot of different points in a lot of different games. You can look back and say, man, if they just got this hit here and this hit here, it's a completely different ball game. And mm-hmm. more often than not, they didn't come through. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a, a style thing. You see the style in Major League Baseball. It's a lot of strikeouts. It's a lot of home runs. It's really how MLB teams are designed to win games. You saw that in the playoffs this year. The teams that hit the most home runs generally won the games. Uh, it's not rocket science, but do you think there is some sort of a, a style shift that you can see when you're talking about international baseball, a bunch of different countries maybe playing in different ways that, that Team USA is going to have to make an adjustment there? Or is it just a matter of, like you said, just you just have to come through uh, in those moments? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Japan and Korea, while they're both capable of hitting home runs, the style of play is a little more contact-oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw Mexico as well. They were not a huge home run hitting team. They, they were not a huge offensive team, truthfully, throughout most of the tournament. They were really pitching dominant. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it, it's a little bit of both. I mean, yes, there's a style difference, but again, it's not like Team USA, you know, didn't have opportunities. Uh, you go back and look, I mean, Team USA, they, they had 14 doubles. They hit 15 home runs. They, they did a lot of good things in terms of, you know, getting runners on base and, and extra base hits, but they struck out 70 times in eight games, and a lot of those were at the wrong time. It just came back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And we talked about, you briefly mentioned uh, kind of the limitations that, that USA is on here with not being able to have any players who are on 40-man rosters. Do you think there's a general lack of like high-level experience that you'd want to see from this team? What do you think about the, the kind of players that they have on the roster? You mentioned that you thought they put together a pretty strong team for, for the limitations that they were kind of under. Yeah, so I think this is a very, very important point. Uh, people are angry, upset. You know, how could they not qualify? You know, what's wrong with the roster, et cetera, et cetera. This is not USA Baseball's fault. And I say USA Baseball as the organization – I thought they did an excellent, excellent job putting together the best roster they could given that non-40-man player limitation. You know, to be honest, when the roster first came out, I was expecting a little bit worse just looking back at some past Premier 12 rosters where you had, you know, a couple guys who were interesting, but thinking teams would be wary of setting their very top prospects, uh, Mm. worried about pitcher fatigue, a whole number of factors. I thought USA Baseball and the scouting committee did an excellent, excellent job putting together a really, really talented team given that limitation. At the same time, as long as Major League Baseball puts this limitation on Mm -hmm. the players Team USA can take, it's always going to be challenging for Team USA to really compete for gold medals, silver medals, um, just because it's not really an even playing field. You know, we talked about Japan and Korea they're taking the best players from their top leagues. Even Mexico, if you go down and look at the roster they put together, while Mexico was also operating under the no 40-man roster player restriction, mm-hmm. you look at the rosters and you can say, absolutely, Team USA is a more talented roster in terms of prospect status and upside and all that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to the game being played on the field, 
Team Mexico, far and away, just had players who had played a higher level of baseball. If you look at Team USA's roster, they had 12 guys with AAA experience. But the bulk of those players had AAA experience encompassing about half a season. Mm-hmm. Again, Joe Adele, Bobby Dahlback, Drew Waters, guys like that who they got up to AAA this year. They touched it. But there wasn't an overwhelming amount of experience there. Uh, there are mm-hmm. six ex-major league players. Half of them do not have a contract with a current team. One yeah. of whom, Caleb Thielbar, is essentially semi-retired. He's now a pitching coach. So compare that to the Mexican team where top to bottom, it's almost all guys who have Mexican league experience, which is a AAA classification. So mm-hmm. you essentially have a team of all AAA players play against a team mostly of guys with double A below experience. Yeah. It, it's going to be tough to, to win that. And we saw that Mexico beat team USA twice. Mexico was in control the whole way. They started five and zero, controlled their own destiny from the outset. They were one game away from getting mm-hmm. to the gold medal game. Team USA never won back to back games, the entire tournament. They didn't win the group. Mexico won the group and needed really a a miraculous series of events to happen just to get into the bronze medal game and have the opportunity to beat Mexico and clinch an Olympic berth. So, I mean, again, you just have a, a, on the whole, you look at this team, you say roster and you say, yeah, fourth place finish is disappointing, but given the restrictions placed on them Mm -hmm. by major league baseball, when you look at just what rosters had played the highest level of baseball to date as professionals, the order goes Japan, Korea and Mexico and voila those are the top three finishers at premier 12. Yeah and I'm sure you talked about this before Kyle but can you just kind of touch on some of the the road bumps and and the scheduling issues and the logistics that kind of prevent uh, Team USA from bringing some 40-man rosters like do you think it's likely at all in the future uh, that we could see a shift uh, in in that rule and maybe allow some some better players and some more experienced players to to actually be on this team or is the MLB schedule just too prohibitive? It's always going to be a tough sell because the Olympics, the summer games are in the middle of the major league baseball season. You know, people try to compare it to basketball or hockey and how NBA players are allowed in the Olympics and NHL players were allowed in the winter Olympics. They stopped it through last round, but for basketball, the summer Olympics were in the off season for Mm -hmm. hockey. They were able to time the winter Olympics during the all-star break. When the summer Olympics are, is it a really inconvenient place for the Major League Baseball schedule? And I think it's very, very hard to see a scenario where team owners and league officials agree to a two-week in-season break where their best players leave to go play elsewhere, where whether that's load management, guys, you know, in addition to the 162 games they have to play during the season, they're now getting you know, another eight to 10 games. You also have pitching concerns about workload management there. I just think it's going to be a very, very tough sell. And that's for the big leaguers. We look at the fact that 40-man players are not allowed to be taken. Bobby Dahlbeck has to go on the 40-man roster here for the Red Sox in two days, or else he Mm. becomes eligible for the World 5 draft. Joe Adele, by the time of the Olympics next year, first week of August, I don't think there's any doubt he'll be patrolling right field for the Angels, which means he obviously won't be with Team USA. So Mm -hmm. by this restriction, Team USA stands to lose arguably their two best players. So it it's just it makes for a very difficult dynamic. There's a lot of moving pieces and but I don't see a way around it. I, I just have a hard time seeing Major League Baseball committing to the buy-in required to mm-hmm. supply the best players the United States has to offer to the Olympics for that two-week break uh, in late July, early August. 
Yep, no doubt. And I was going to ask you about kind of what's next for, for Team USA. You mentioned some of the, the players, Bobby Dalbeck, Joe Adele, who are not going to be with this team moving forward because of 40-man restrictions. Uh, what's the next step for them? Uh, how do you see the roster kind of shaking up, and what are you looking forward to? So Team USA will now go to an eight-team America's qualifier that's going to be played in Arizona next March. Joe Adele might still be with the team by then because he doesn't have to go on the 40-man roster this offseason, but the Angels could also say, hey, we're a week out from opening day. We want this guy ready for us. We don't want to risk him getting hurt here. They, they could do that. That's their right. But as of right now, the 40-man restriction would not be what keeps him from that team. Bobby Dahlbeck is someone who would have to go on 40-man rosters and would not be able to play on the team. That all being said... I think, again, the expectation for Team USA, because it has such a high standard, is they're always going to qualify. They're always going to be among the best at their various tournaments. Premier 12 was always going to be a difficult road for them. I wrote that article explicitly uh, prior to the tournament starting that just with Japan and Korea and Mexico bringing some talented players on their end, it was never really a guarantee that Premier 12 was where Team USA was going to qualify. And as much as the result was disappointing, I don't really consider it a huge upset. Again, Premier 12 was always going to be difficult. The America's qualifier, the one coming up in March, that's the one where if the United States does not qualify there, that's when it's going to be really, really disappointing. That would be the upset. And the reason for that is the eight teams that will be in that qualifier, it's Team USA, the five other teams from the Americas at Premier 12 that did not qualify as well as the top two finishers from the Pan American Championships, Colombia and Nicaragua, all of those teams are going to be operating under those same 40-man roster restrictions. Again, Korea and Japan didn't have to really worry about that much. Obviously, Japan couldn't take Masahiro Tanaka, but they still had top-level players from their leagues. Mm -hmm. That gave them an advantage over Team USA and every other team from the Americas. Here at the Americas Qualifier, Team USA will be on the same level playing field as every other team in this tournament in terms of the fact they can't take their 40-man roster players, so they have to do the best of the active minor leaguers they have. Hmm. This is going to be the one where they should win this one. It'll be on their home soil. You know, Cuba is down. Cuba is the one nation that doesn't have that 40-man roster restriction for obvious reasons, but Cuba has lost so much talent from the island in recent years. As an international baseball power, they've really, really fallen off. We saw that in the World Baseball Classic. We saw that here at Premier 12. Team USA, this is going to be the one they should win. And if they don't win, that's when it's going to be a very, very hard look uh, between Major League Baseball and USA Baseball and say, okay, we need to adjust our process because not qualifying through that would be kind of a shocker. Um, yeah. And if for any reason they don't qualify there, they get a third shot at a global qualifier in Taiwan. But this is the one. They really, really should qualify uh, in this one. We have to see what players leave, what players come on as replacements. That's still to be determined. But even with that, you would expect Team USA to win this one. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I feel like you've done a pretty good job kind of uh, summing everything up, Kyle, kind of putting us into the state of USA baseball. Were there any other bright spots you wanted to mention? I know we talked a little bit about Joe Adele, a little bit about Bobby Dahlbeck, mentioned Drew Waters, uh, some prospects that people are definitely familiar with. Are there any other players who have really stood out and impressed you or, or someone you want to take, take note of? Yeah, so Noah Song, just a stud. Uh, we mm -hmm. mentioned I was out for Team USA's uh, training camp in Arizona before they left for Mexico and then Japan. And it was pretty clear that this guy has 
probably the best pure stuff on the staff. Uh, you were seeing 96, 97, 98, 99. It's out of the bullpen. Obviously, the starting is a little bit lower, but the body, the arm, the stuff, the mix, the composure, he's really, really good. The Red Sox potentially got a fourth-round steal there. Obviously, the complicating factor is he's a uh, active member of the Navy. He's going to flight school in December. So you don't really know when and if he'll pitch for the Red Sox. But mm-hmm. just what he showed for Team USA was was really, really tantalizing stuff. And I think if he's able to pitch for the Red Sox, they got themselves a special player. Oh, no doubt. I mean, just kind of covering song in the draft. I mean, most scouts thought of him just purely on talent. Like he was definitely a day one kind of guy. The fact that the Red Sox were able to get him in the fourth round and sign him for $100,000, obviously because of those naval factors that you're mentioning. Um, if they are able to, to get some innings out of him in the future after his naval commitment is either uh, completed or, or that's taken care of, uh, I agree with you. I mean, that's a fantastic um, talent addition that late in the draft. Real quickly, just Adele and Dahlbeck, we've mentioned them throughout this podcast, but, but what's been impressive with them? I mean, Joe Adele is going to be a superstar in this league. Uh, he's the highest-ranked prospect on this team. He was number two on the BA Top 100. I've been talking about him for a while. But we saw it really come out at uh, Team USA. He led the tournament in hits. He tied for the tournament lead in home runs. He made great catches in the outfield all tournament long. Uh, Joe Adele is going to be a superstar. I mean, that's just let's just call it how it is. Uh, this was really a coming out party to the wider baseball world for him. We at Baseball America have known about him, have talked about him, but this was a really special performance by a really special player. And Dahlbeck, you know, we talk about Red Sox prospects and Noah Song, but Dahlbeck was probably the guy for me that elevated himself the most uh, in this mm-hmm. tournament showing in Team USA. And what I mean by that is if you look at the BA Top 100, he's all the Top 100. We've obviously thought highly of him as a prospect for a while, but He's about 30 to 40, I think maybe 50 spots below, like Andrew Vaughn and Alec Bohm. Mm-hmm. To be 100% honest, just watching Team USA's training camp and just watching these games and covering this team, mm-hmm. I don't think he's a different tier than those guys. To me, yeah. Bobby Dahlbeck was the best of those three. But again, it's not a perfect comparison because Dahlbeck's been a pro since 2016. Andrew Vaughn was just drafted this year. He's older. He has more experience, so he should look better. Same with Alec Bohm. Bohm was drafted last year. Dahlbeck has two more years of pro experience on him. So again, he should look better. But I just felt like Bobby Dahlbeck, watching him in the batter's box, watching him in the field, just watching his presence, you know, projecting everything out. This is a really good player that, again, I, I think is better than maybe we all thought just in the sense of, again, you know, you look at him and his number 80 ranking on the top 100 and these other mm-hmm. guys with their number 30 or so ranking in the top 100. I really don't think there's 50 spots of difference there. I don't think there's a different tier there. I think he's on the same tier as those guys talent wise. Yeah. Well, Red Sox fans are pumped to hear that. Uh, and if you are a Red Sox fan, we actually released our updated Red Sox top 10 prospects today. You can check that out on the site. Bobby Dahlbeck ranks very highly. I won't spoil exactly where he is. You can check out the site to see that. Uh, But I'll just say that there aren't too many prospects you have to read over before you get to his name. Um, If you have missed our updated top tens, we've been rolling those out over the past few weeks, and we're going to continue doing that throughout the offseason. We also have chats with all of these organization top tens going up. So if you have any questions about the Red Sox, Uh, or others, you might be able to get your questions answered. And in the future, you can jump in our chats uh, and and get your direct questions answered from the writers who are doing the top 10s. In addition to that, last week we had updated draft rankings, so top 100 high school and college prospects for the 2020 draft. 
Teddy Cahill had the uh, college recruiting rankings for this 2020 class. So there's a lot of stuff uh, to look at, whether you're interested in the pros and the minors, whether you're interested in high school, college, uh, all the levels of baseball we're covering throughout the offseason. So we appreciate you uh, breaking everything down for us, Kyle. Um, but thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.